Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. We are looking at one of our core values, being mission-shaped. And this sermon is from Mark Fairhurst, Executive Director of CMS Queensland with Northern New South Wales, preached at Tawantan. Our readings today are from Psalm 19 and then from 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. But firstly, a reading from Psalm 19, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 545. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteousness. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, down to chapter 2, verse 5. And if you're following in your pew Bibles, that's on page 1142. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not 
to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for your welcome today. It's uh, great to be with you. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Mark, and I work with the Church Missionary Society, who you will know best through the Lovell family. And I want to uh, just begin by uh, spending a little bit of time chatting about them and uh, and their uh, their ministry uh, within uh, South Africa. Um, and then coming to that passage from 1 Corinthians and having a look at what it says to us. So, a quick update on Nathan and Diane. Nathan and Diane, as you know, are working in South Africa. Nathan at George Whitfield uh, Bible College, um, training up leaders not just for the church in South Africa, but actually the church throughout Southern Africa and some of Central Africa as well. Uh, and Diane involved in Bible translation, again, mainly within that Southern African region. So what have they been up to? Uh, Diane recently has been in Mozambique uh, helping lead a, uh, a Psalms that Sing workshop amongst a small people group there, the Cody people. Uh, they are mainly Muslim background believers uh, and they have... Uh, a translation of the New Testament in their language. They're just about to begin a translation of the Old Testament. Uh, the Bible in, our, in their own language is absolutely crucial for the work of the gospel to go ahead amongst those people groups. And so do be praying for Diana. She encourages them. And they, as they, as they commence that translation and as they use the New Testament uh, to reach out to the people of their area. Uh, Nathan, uh, teaching in George Whitfield College. Uh, he's in the process of teaching Isaiah and Psalms there at the moment. But he also has responsibility for the postgraduate sort of work that is taking place through the college. And especially, uh, they're seeking to register an online postgraduate diploma in higher theological education. So this is for people who are teaching in Bible colleges throughout Africa to be able to upgrade their teaching skills, uh, which is absolutely crucial for the work of the gospel in Africa, uh, where many ministers have had little chance to actually study the Bible themselves. And so training up the teachers will enable them to teach others. So it's a really crucial ministry. 
now, if you're not already getting uh, Nathan and Diane's prayer letters, uh, you can go online to our website, uh, look up our missionaries and find Nathan and Diane there and just click on, on the button uh, that uh, has to do with praying and, uh, and join that group of people who are regularly getting their updates, praying for them and praying for the ministry that is taking place where they are. Now, Nathan and Diane uh, are just two of almost 200 CMS missionaries working right across the world in about 40 different countries. Uh, In the last two years, we've sent out 36 new missionaries, which is a great great reason for praise. Uh, During COVID, our missionary numbers dropped. We're now seeing those numbers uh, rise once again. And of those 36, five are from Queensland and Northern New South Wales, which is exciting for us. And each of those five are working amongst different unreached people groups. Um, And so Ellie Bryce is working in Japan. Japan, the Japanese people, are the second largest unreached people group for the gospel in the world. Uh, And so Japan is a crucial place for us to be sending missionaries. Uh, LNC are working in Southeast Asia. Uh, and JNS in Central Asia. I can't tell you their names because this is going live and it's safer for them that you don't hear those names. Um, but their, mis- their ministries are small and f- fragile. Each of them are working amongst people who are largely unreached, which means the average person in, in those, com- those groups, in those people groups, will not have a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend who knows the Lord Jesus they do not have a chance to hear of him. And so it's crucial that we send people to be that friend who can then raise up many more friends so that people will have that opportunity to hear about Jesus. Uh, It takes years for these new missionaries to learn language, to build relationships and trust that will enable them to speak about Jesus clearly to the people that they live among. So they need our prayers. It's not an easy work. Uh, We also have a couple of other uh, new people, uh, not as full-time missionaries, but um, for Daniel, he is an apprentice in our Mentac, Ministering Across Cultures uh, program in Sydney, uh, learning how to reach out to people from a Muslim background. Uh, It's been a crucial apprenticeship, this. It's led to many people going into ministry in Muslim areas of our world. Uh, Ruth Sutcliffe uh, has a PhD in historical theology, and she is going and doing uh, short courses uh, in Bible colleges in a number of places around the world to train up especially the future teachers of those colleges. And so, again, a really important ministry uh, being done part-time by her. But there are still many opportunities to be filled. Um, We could place as many missionaries as we have working today in places where we have been asked to send missionaries. So it's not us just looking for opportunities. It is Christian organisations, churches around the world saying, please can you send someone? We could send another 200 It is really important. One of the real needs we have at the moment 
is for people who have a master's degree in teaching. Uh, we have a number of schools around the world where in order to be there, you have to have a master's degree. That's what's required for you to get a visa. But a really important place to teach in missionary schools around the world so the missionaries can be in those countries and stay there confident that their kids are getting a good education. If you know someone who's got a master's degree in teaching, encourage them to think about that possibility. It's a wonderful ministry to have um, to enable the gospel to go forward. So, not just Bible teachers that we send, but people using secular skills in many different places so that they can be the friend who speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you'd like to hear more about the work of CMS, then yes, summer school is the place to come. Uh, It goes from the 5th to the 10th of January down at Mount Tambourine, just south of Brisbane. Um, You can come for a day, you can come for a couple of days, you can come for the whole five days. Uh, It is a great opportunity to be built up uh, in your faith in Jesus and to hear of the work of the missionaries uh, working in various parts of the world. If you have kids or if you know kids within your family, if you've got kids in your family um, who are teenagers, then we have a Melt Youth Camp every May uh, held on on the Gold Coast. Uh, Again, a great opportunity for them to be grown in in their faith in in the Lord and to meet missionaries and be given that worldview of what God is doing around the world. No, so if you'd like to find out more, then uh, there's a table out as you go into morning tea. Pick up a copy of our magazine, Checkpoint. There's a few different editions of it there. Um, go onto the CMS website and, uh, and uh, sign up, have a look around, and see what God is doing around the world and be a part of what he is doing around the world. Well, let's come to this passage from 1 Corinthians. As we do, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. We thank you that your spirit takes your word and applies it to our lives, brings us to life and renews us day by day. We pray that you will do your work within us today for your glory and your honour. Amen. Now, if you pick up a copy of the uh, CMS Prayer Diary, I don't have any here today. We've actually given them all all away recently. We're about to do a new edition, so you'll have to wait for that one. Uh, But if you pick it up and open up uh, to the first sort of page, you'll find there a map of the world. And in each of the countries where where we have CMS missionaries working, we've sort of coloured it in green. It looks very impressive because we work in about 40 different countries around the world. Uh, It looks impressive, but you then begin to think, actually, in some of these countries, there's only one missionary. (laughs) Uh, Even in Japan, where we have more missionaries than any other country in the world at the moment, we have 19 missionaries working in a country of 127 million people. And there are times when I look at it and I ask myself, what are we really achieving? It all seems so small. And we can feel like that locally, can't we? Uh, We can feel so small as we look out at all the people in Noosa, all the people on uh, on the Sunshine Coast. We can feel irrelevant in our society that seems to have moved on from us. 
And the great danger for us as Christians is we feel small, is we feel powerless. And when the gospel message just doesn't seem relevant to our friends and neighbours, to begin to look for ways to make ourselves more relevant, more attractive. And that is exactly the issues that these Christians in Corinth were facing, as Paul speaks to them there. They were turning away from the gospel to more worldly-wise messages. And they were looking for teachers who were more impressive than the Apostle Paul. And Paul calls them back at this this beginning of the letter to remember where God's power lies. To remember where God's power lies. And he says to them, it's found in the apparent foolishness of the cross. It's seen in the salvation of irrelevant hearers. And it's heard through the words of weak messengers. So as we face our world, that looks at us and says, really, moved on. We need to remember where God's power lies. And so Paul says, first up, the power of God lies in the message of the cross. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, our world is not uninterested in being saved. Uh, We all experience the mess and the pain of this world and we want to find ways to make it better. Now, back in Paul's day, that was expressed in religious or philosophical terms. Uh, And so he writes to them and says, where's the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, for them, it was expressed in philosophy, it was expressed in religion, but for our society, it's expressed in secular terms, isn't it? We look for leaders who are going to give us greater prosperity and wealth, who are going to fix the problems of the environment or climate change, who who will give us more health and a better standard of living, a more fulfilled and happy lifestyle. And it's not surprising, is it, that it's those things that get politicians elected. And it's those things that we hear about on our TV screens every single night, don't we? We're looking for hope. But any solution that they do find, as good as they might be, can never deal with the problem of the human heart. They cannot repair our desperately broken relationship with God. They cannot put an end to God's right anger against the flood of human evil in this world. And they can't put right the self-interest that invades our hearts even in our best moments. 
They cannot save people from perishing without God and without hope in this world. But the cross of Jesus can and does. Now, I don't know if you can remember when you first, when the Lord first opened your eyes to the wonder of the cross for the first time. It may have been that, like me, uh, you weren't a Christian and you, you, you had that moment. It may have been that you had been brought up as a Christian, but there was just a moment when, you, when, you, when it all came together for you. I can remember it very distinctly. Um, realizing that Jesus had died for me and that it wasn't about me trying to be good enough for him. And I remember the peace and the assurance and the wonder and thankfulness that I felt at that moment in time and continue to feel. Only the message of the cross can do that, can bring us from death to life, can bring us from hopelessness to absolute certainty that we are children of God. Our purpose as CMS is to send long-term workers around the world to proclaim that message because we are convinced that it is the only hope for our world that, as Paul says, is without God and without hope in the world. Jesus in him crucified may seem irrelevant to the society we live in. May, and we may seem ridiculous and weak. But to us who are being called, whether it's here on the Sunshine Coast or it's in Muslim Indonesia or it's in Buddhist Japan or it's in Christian South Africa, the gospel and Jesus and him crucified is the wisdom and power of God for the salvation of all. Do we believe that? Well, the message we preach may seem weak to our society, but quite honestly, we seem weak and ridiculous to them as well. And that was so in Paul's day. Did you hear it? Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him, it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, quite honestly, as I look at the church today across the world, and I have the privilege of, in my work of, of seeing something of that, and as I look over the last 2,000 years, it amazes me that the church still exists. <laughs> it is so weak. It's often so broken. You know, when I was a minister uh, and pastor of a local congregation, in my less godly moments, I'd look out at times and think, oh, if only there were a bunch of Billy Grahams sitting in the front row here. <laughs> and, and just there, there were some fantastic youth and kids workers. And, and down the back, there were some really rich Christians who could just fund it all. And I'm pretty sure people were looking at me and going, oh, Lord, if only he could be like Tim Keller or Gary Miller. But you see, that's not the way the Lord works, is it? 
And the ones he's called is, it's us. Ordinary, unexceptional, many times struggling, us. (laughs) But here's the thing, isn't it? As unimpressive as we may seem and be, God has called us. And it's because of him that we are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. You see, we sit as here as people today, if we believe in the Lord Jesus, as people redeemed, bought by his son's blood, so that we might be his children. And, and we sit here as people who've been set apart by him, made holy by the blood of his son. And we sit here as people who've been made righteous, prepared, ready as a bride for the coming of Jesus on that final day. And our very existence says to the world, the Lord is powerful to save You know, at times when I read our missionary prayer letters, I can be tempted to think, what's the point? What are they really achieving? They've been there numbers of years and, wow, we don't see thousands getting converted yet. But you see, no matter how unimpressive they may look, they are God's, and how unimpressive the church where they are may look, they are God's redeemed children. And their very existence says the Lord is powerful to save. And whether we see it here or not, this day, today, the Lord is calling thousands of people across our world to him. He's powerful to save. Well, God's power, it lies in the apparent foolishness of the gospel message. It's seen in the salvation of what can seem to the world irrelevant hearers. And finally, Paul says, it's heard through the words of fearful messengers. Did you hear that? Paul says, verse 1 of chapter 2, So it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now we're tempted, aren't we, to think of Paul as the great apostle, the one who brought the gospel to the Western world at that time. But he was a very normal human being. And he came to Corinth having been jailed and flogged in Philippi, having been hounded out of Thessalonica and Berea, having been sneered at by the great ones in Athens. And it's hardly surprising that he came to Corinth in fear and trembling because he knew that as soon as he started to speak about Jesus, the opposition would begin. Here's the great thing. The Lord knew his fears. There is a fascinating passage in Acts chapter 18 when he's in Corinth where the Lord speaks to him in a vision and he says to him, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. I'm absolutely certain that Paul needed to hear those words at that particular moment in time. And for us, 
we've all probably had this experience if we've been Christians for a while of having spoken about our faith and been ignored or ridiculed. We put our head up above a parapet and it got shot at. And it's fearful, isn't it, to put our head up again. And the Lord says to us, do not be afraid. Don't be silent. It wasn't the power of Paul's personality or the impressiveness of his wisdom. He is a good speaker. (laughs) Ben got to read his letters to know that. But it wasn't that that caused people to respond to Paul's message. It was the it was the it was the work of a spirit's power. You see, his words, because they spoke of Jesus, brought people from death to life and brought an eternal brought an eternal change in them. And they knew the work of the spirit as he began to transform them from the beginning from the inside out because of Jesus and the work of the cross. And that is true of our words as well. How do you normally feel when you have an opportunity to speak about Jesus? Weak? Frightened? Well, you're in good company. That's how Paul felt. Will your words be weak and faltering? Quite possibly. Mine are. But the power of God doesn't depend on the quality of your words, but on the simple proclamation of Jesus his death and resurrection and the forgiveness and life that that brings so when the opportunity comes have courage open your mouths and speak as you face the indifference of your world as you remember and pray for Nathan and Diane and the other missionaries that you support for the Christian brothers and sisters they work among Lift your eyes and remember where the real power is and press on knowing that God's power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.